Indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like if a cemetery raises its burial cost, can it blame it on the cost of living? Hi America, hello world. <laughs> My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So, snuggle under your covers, turn out your light. That's my dad elbowing her. And hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce this week's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that the moment you are born, your brain starts working and never stops, until you sit down to read a news story live on air. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> terrible. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim found out this week that the best way to make holy water was to boil the hell out of it. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and cables than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer 
and sound mixer. Greg realised this week that it was quite amazing that the amount of paranormal news that happens in the world every week fits exactly into a 60-minute radio show. What are the chances of that happening? (laughs) Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. We are Series 2, Episode 59. 59 is the lowest golf score in a single round on the PGA Tour. It is shared by six golfers. If you wish to know who they are, you can look them up. (laughs) I had an ex-girlfriend. I wasn't going to read out a long list of golfers. This is not why we're here. We're covering the paranormal news Mm -hmm. and the strange and the bizarre. I had an ex-girlfriend that got a terrible bee sting, actually, on a golf course. And she had to go and see a doctor. And the doctor said, what happened, he said. And she said, I got stung between the first and second hole. <laughs> the doctor replied, well, how wide is your stance? <laughs> I love this show. <sighs> I once sliced a shot on the seventh hole and it went into a deep wooded ravine. So I had to climb down the banks of the ravine. And after 10 minutes of hacking around in the undergrowth and in all the bracken, I actually saw a glint of metal and I uncovered a skeleton holding an eight iron. So I, I clambered back up the ravine to get the wedge because obviously the eight iron wasn't going to work. <laughs> In amateur radio, 59 is a perfect signal report. Heather, know anything about amateur radio? No. Just professional radio for us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> US 59 is the highway between Minnesota And Texas. Recently, there was a power outage at the shopping mall in Austin, and 30 people were stuck on the escalator for two hours. (laughs) Satchel Satchel Paige became the oldest Major League Baseball player at 59 years of age. He achieved that in 1966. He was one of the groundbreaking original black baseball players back in the 1920s and 30s. Two men that had been friends all their life from the day they went to kindergarten all the way through. One of them was very ill. He was on his deathbed. And his friend said to him, when you pass, can you try and get back to me in any way possible, whether it be a ghost or a voice? I need to know, is there baseball in heaven? And unfortunately, his friend passed. And a couple of days later, he's laying in bed and he hears a ghostly voice that says, I'm here, I've come back. And the guy said, what, what have you got to tell me? And he says, there is baseball in heaven. And the guy's really excited. And then his friend says, and you're pitching on Wednesday. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> now, if you wish to see any of tonight's stories in glorious Technicolor, all of the videos, all of the photographs, everything that accompanies our stories are much much more can be seen on our Facebook site. More questions than answers with adrian lee we also have a youtube channel again more questions and answers with adrian lee where we have some very funny outtakes you can access my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips that's t-i-p-s for the international paranormal society we have nearly eighty-one thousand followers on there at the moment so thank you to all those people that are following my twitter account my website is adrian lee psychic 
com and don't forget my book mysterious minnesota digging up the ghostly past at 13 haunted sites is available in barnes and noble and amazon and all good bookshops now every week people do go onto our facebook site they do post things on my twitter account and i love reading out the mailbag i love reading all your comments keith in new hampshire posted on facebook i was listening to your podcast on the dark matter digital network this morning and enjoyed it thoroughly Many thanks. Jonas in California said it's 4am. I'm listening to the show. And no, my bosses do not know I'm doing this. Thanks for the show. (laughs) They may do now if they're listening as well, I might add. (laughs) Now, on last week's show, we got friended on Facebook by a character called Martin Dust Devils. And this all came about. Marty. Because two weeks ago, you know him that well, do you? Yeah. You're, you're on terms with him that's now Marty, are you? Yeah. You'll be dating him shortly. <laughs> and uh, when Nathan was here a couple of weeks ago reading out stories, he said Martin Dust Devils instead of Martian Dust Devils. And this has just taken off. So there is now a Facebook character called Martin Dust Devils. And I jokingly said that I think I remember dating his sister. Her name was June. Well... Someone posted this week under Martin Dust Devils a photograph of what can only be described as a mashup <laughs> that looks like my love child. They've got a picture of my face and they've superimposed it over the top of a baby. So you've got me with my goatee beard yep. with a baby's face and a mm-hmm. baby's body. Now, if this wasn't bad enough, what was the first comment you posted on there? That's one hairy baby. You said that's one hairy baby. What happened next? is that my mother, unbeknownst to me, genuinely thought that that was a real baby. (laughs) So my mother, in her old age and dotage, has looked at that image of my face superimposed on a baby with a beard and has commented underneath, that's a really ugly baby. Oh, no, she didn't write it was a really ugly baby. Oh, we're talking semantics now, are we? You're on minus two. (laughs) She said the photograph was okay, but the baby was... Freaky. Oh, freaky. (laughs) Yes, mother. That's what it's going to look like if you ever have grandchildren. She had her mother's beard. So this is just madness. I uh, Many thanks for the, um, for the hard work that's gone into photoshopping those two things together. My face superimposed onto a baby really does enter into the realm of the mysterious, the strange and the bizarre. Madness, I tell you. So May the 1st. May the 1st is this Sunday. I've got a list here of interesting facts that came up for May, May the 1st. It is believed May Day was the last chance for fairies to travel to the earth. So if there's any fairies listening to the show, Sunday is your day. If you miss that day, you're going to be sat there at the carousel at the airport with your luggage going round on its own, not being able to access the earth. I have to say, when I do this show on a regular basis, I often think to myself, wow, I'm due back on planet Earth at any minute. <laughs> The giving of May baskets has sadly faded since the late 20th century. Small baskets of sweets and flowers would be left anonymously on doorsteps to the delight of neighbours. I believe they still do this in Minnesota in the fall, but they do it with zucchini now rather than baskets. (laughs) It's very interesting. I've noticed in Minnesota during the fall that there's people wandering around with giant zucchini in their hands and they're leaving it on people's doorsteps. Have you ever seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where they're carrying all those pods about? No. You have never seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yes. No. That's what it looks like. I couldn't believe it. I'm driving through town in the fall. There's people wandering around with giant pods in their hand, apparently their zucchini, 
and they're leaving them on people's doorsteps. I find it very worrying. So don't accept a zucchini. Why do people grow zucchini? What can you do with it? I don't know. If you say zucchini bread, you can basically make bread out of anything. You can make like banana skin bread. But what what is a zucchini in terms of what can be done with it? I don't know. By it's the way, very good in a stir fry. There you go. The only the only thing that it's good for is in a stir fry. In Britain, we call them courgettes. It's a courgette. And of course, it's a French word. And uh, I was once on a train. I had to book a ticket from Nice to Paris. And in my best French, I went up to the ticket office and I said, because I'm going to have to tell you now that a couchette in French is a sleeping compartment on a train. And a natural mistake in my best French, I went up to the lady at the ticket office and asked her for a giant courgette overnight, if that was possible, rather than a couchette. And she did a very French thing. She shrugged her shoulders and went, <laughs> what the French do. There we go. Persecution of May Day festivities began as early as the 1600s. And in the 1640s, the church ruled against debauchery when British Parliament banned the tradition as immoral. I have no idea why. How fair maidens, fair young virgins dancing around a large giant pole could be seen as debauchery. But there you go. We run into the round. That is Ghosts and Hauntings. Remember, fairies, Sunday is your day to get back to Earth. I have a story to start us off that says tourist picture gets photobombed by a ghost. It seems to be a photograph of a tourist posing in the Edinburgh vaults in Scotland. But a closer look reveals a ghostly figure creeping right behind her. Emma Sergner, 32, got a severe case of the creeps when she looked back at the image and spotted a figure standing behind her sister. The support worker from Blackpool, Lancashire, who went for the night on the tour with her sister, said there was only one other person in the pitch black vault with them at the time. She said we took loads of pictures and some of them came up pitch black and some came through. We went through the photographs on my digital camera that evening and lightened up the pictures that came back black. The spectral figure who photobombed Emma's picture is alarmingly standing directly behind her sister, wearing what appears to be a long coat and boots. She believes it may be the ghost known as the Watcher or Mr. Boots. She said there are a lot of stories about a man down there who wears big boots and a coat and another called the Watcher with long hair and 18th century clothing. The Edinburgh vaults are a series of chambers formed in the arches of the South Bridge, which were completed in the 1780s. For around 30 years, the vaults were used to house tradesmen and as a storage facility for illicit materials, reportedly including the bodies of people killed by serial killers Burke and Hare for medical experiments. I actually went to these vaults many years ago and I did actually take a photograph that came out and looked quite ghostly. And whenever I do my talks and whenever I do my lectures, I show this photograph and everyone around the table has seen it. But a lot of the walls of the vaults in Edinburgh have been painted white, like a whitewash. And I took a photograph with a flash and you have this ghostly kind of smoke in front of the lens that anyone else might have said, wow, you know, you've captured a ghost. But it's so cold down there. You're underground. It's very wet. I mean, in winter in Scotland anyway, it's not the Bahamas. Do you see what I'm saying? It's always going to be very chilly. And what I did and what I warn people against when they're doing paranormal investigations is do not breathe out when you're taking a photograph because what you're getting is all the moisture as I'm breathing out being reflected back off the flash when I take the picture. So it's good advice that if you ever take a picture on a paranormal investigation, just hold your breath for the second you release the shutter and then you remove all that idea of the moisture in your breath 
bouncing the flashback. And that's what it was. It looks like a ghost. But I can assure people it's my breath at that point. So I'm going to give myself a resplendent amount of points. I shall start on three. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and rolling your eyes? I have a sorcerer who has cast a spell to help a football team win. Yay! Which football team's this? Oh, it's not any we know. It's not anyone we know. An African man was arrested for putting a black magic spell on during an Al Nassar and an Al Fatah football match in Saudi Arabia. You've made those names up. In which Al Nassar lost the match. No, I didn't. It's wasn't right it during the World Cup a couple of years ago? Yes. Wasn't there a team from like Cameroon? Mexico. And they played Mexico. Yes. So all the witch doctors in Mexico were doing spells. Yep. And all the witch doctors in Cameroon were doing spells. Yes. And something had to give at that point. We had to see who was stronger. I think Mexico may have won that one, if my memory serves me I right. can't remember. See, the Aztec gods were stronger than the African ones. There you point. go. Saudi authorities are investigating with the African man who was arrested on Saturday while hiding among thousands of fans in the stadium. The suspect arrived at the stadium, and while they were searching him, they found black magic charms on him. That old black magic charm. <laughs> yeah, lucky charms. Yeah, I know. that. I was thinking that, too. He got searched. How many people? There's thousands of people at the stadium. You're being body searched for black magic charms. You're always after me lucky charms. Yes, I've cracked that joke. I know, but I wanted to say it right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cracky, you're rolling along on minus three. Uh, Not so lucky for you. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, I don't know this advert. I only know this advert from watching Austin Powers. Because this advert does not... This this product, this cereal product, does not exist in Britain. We shall get you So these are cultural references I hadn't Mm -hmm. previously been aware of. Well, now you're aware. I am. Thank you for that. You're on minus three. (laughs) Be sure to point out any other cultural problems I'm having. No problem. (laughs) This story went viral on social media where many suspected that it is because of his using those magic charms. The famous and successful Saudi football team from Al Nassar lost the match. The suspect was referred to the higher committee of investigations to look into the case. Many on social media were making fun about this news, especially the fans of the competing clubs. And many accused the club for trying to find some excuse for its failure. That's true. You can be sitting in the dressing room and saying, sorry, we let those 12 goals in. Someone slit a chicken's throat at half time. Yes. I had some gizzards in my pocket. There was a very famous, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You've got gizzards in your pocket. Wow. I bet you no one's ever said that in the history of broadcasting. Nope. That's the first time that sentence has ever been uttered. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. In the history of radio. So I shall give you a point for that. You're a minus. <laughs> Two, for being unique more than anything else, I would suggest. There was a very famous footballer in the 1990s that played for Wales, and his name was Dean Saunders, and he signed for a Turkish club, and he was only there for a couple of months and had to come back home. And they said, well, why did you come back home? And he said, I just couldn't get used to the cultural differences. He said, we'd be on board the coach and we'd be driving to a match and they'd have a live goat on board and they'd sacrifice the goat in the aisle of the coach. Oh. I know. So he, he couldn't be doing with that. He came I home. wouldn't either. But there's a lot of soccer teams around the world. That, that sacrifice and, goats? That try and gain an advantage. <laughs> Not a good place to be if you're a goat and you're supporting a soccer team. <laughs> In the Middle East, I would suggest. There's not many. Poor Billy. Goat supporters. Billy Goat. I could have sworn at the beginning of the season there was more goats following this team. 
It looks a bit thin <laughs> at that end, doesn't it? There's only two there. I, I'm sure when the season started, there was a whole stadium full of goats at that far end. Plethora. A plethora. They're only fair weather goats. They only turned up when we were winning. When we started to lose a few games, they were down the bar. They were off. They weren't interested. They fell off. Fair weather goat supporters. That's what you get with ruminants. They don't follow through. There's no sense of sticking with it. They only support the teams that are winning. You find that with sheep as well. They're just following the sides that are winning. I have a story that says death is a bit of a morbid topic. Well, of course it's a morbid topic. It's an unhealthy interest in disturbing and unpleasant subjects surrounding death. Mm-hmm. So, of course, death is a morbid subject. It can't be anything else, can it? I just thought it was very interesting. But let's <laughs> face it, we're all going to die someday. And it's okay to think ahead about how we want our remains to be handled. Are you going the burial route or cremation, perhaps? Are you planning on cremation but don't want your ashes sitting around in an urn? Or on a mantle for decades. Check out and vinyly. The company turns ashes into vinyl records, and these vinyl records will play if you happen to have an old turntable lying around. From the and vinyl homepage, vinyly and vinyly and vinyl. See what they've done there? Yes. And vinyly. When the album that is life finally reaches the end, that's a bit Monty Python. Wouldn't it be nice to keep that record spinning for eternity? We offer you the chance to press your ashes into a vinyl recording your loved ones will cherish for generations. Record a personal message, your last will and testament, your own soundtrack, or simply press your ashes to hear your pops and crackles for the minimal approach. Do you want to hear my pops and crackles after I've gone? I think we already have, haven't we? It's a very tight room in here without any air. It's an airtight room and there has been days. The British company offers several packages, starting with the basic package that comes with up to 30 discs and 24 minutes of total playtime, 12 minutes on each side for £3,000. That's $5,000. For $15,000, the team at and Vinally will dedicate a team of event organisers to your final send-off, including speaking to your guests and, of course, playing your cremated remains during the party. So they're going to DJ? Yay, yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. You can hire a DJ at your... I'm going to get your pressed ashes into a vinyl record and I'm going to be scratching you. Great. I'll be mixing, scratching... That's the way we're going. While the sound is a bit cheeky, it's a serious business and the website even features a disclaimer that reads, please note, despite the site's light-hearted tone, all of our services are carried out with the utmost respect and I'm sure care. fog machine, lights. Yeah. You're going to get a 12-inch of that, Greg? <laughs> so, points to be had straight off the bat. Quick, quick, quick. Records that could be made from created remains. Go. Come on, baby, light my fire. Oh, you mean like songs? Yes, knocking on heaven's door. I'm two nil up. Feel free to jump in. Burning down the house? Fantastic. Stairway to heaven. Oh, that's just... Ashes to ashes. The heat is on. I'm waiting for Greg to say the Johnny Cash song. Ring of fire. Yeah. Depends where the fire starts, doesn't it? I'm guessing. (laughs) Feeling hot, hot, hot. Here's the best one. You spin me right round, baby, right round, like a record, baby. Okay. Singing a very posh voice. Oh, I say, Davinia, 
I do like this popular beat combo that sings, I will spin you right round, baby right round, like a record baby, right round, round round. No more caffeine for you. I love caffeine. This is a fabulous story. <laughs> Kim. What happens if somebody digitally remasters those? <laughs> There's always one, isn't back? there? You've ruined the whole story, Greg. It's reincarnation. If it gets digitally remastered, you come back better looking. Your nose is no better longer, sounding. Better sounding, better looking. Bigger, faster, stronger, louder, scarier. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Kim, <laughs> let's get off the mark tonight with a round in the ghost and haunting section. Dead woman's bank account overdrawn by $99 billion. Billion. She left the light on. Mm-hmm. One light she left on in the kitchen. She's been <laughs> dead 200 years, but she left the light on in the kitchen. Was she loaded? It says, imagine checking your bank balance and seeing it's overdrawn by more than $99 billion. It <laughs> happened to a South Suburban Chicago Heights woman. What a weekend that was. Wow. Sheila Henderson contacted Eyewitness News because she was concerned she'd be held responsible for the $99 billion. <laughs> she says she wouldn't even know how to spend that much money. Oh, can, I think I could try. I was going to say, if you write to more questions than answers with Adrian we'll Lee, help you. we will help you in all those directions. Don't you worry. Mm-hmm. We are creative. <laughs> I'm going to get a whole herd of fainting goats and take them to a soccer match. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing I'm going to do is press a 12-inch record of my tortoise that died many years ago called Freddy, and we'll turn him into a record as well. Pets. Wouldn't that be fabulous? You can turn your pets into records. We could have a car journey. We could go on a road trip just listening to the sound of goldfish you've lost over the years. I was afraid you were going to say collecting roadkill for albums. (laughs) That's a fantastic idea. I'm going to play a badger next. Oh. Throw a squirrel on. That'll kill 20 minutes. Oh, no. That's a great idea. You can have like a track listing of all the animals. Raccoon. That's my favorite. That's the third track. Put the raccoon on. Roadkill rhythm. Roadkill rhythm. <laughs> that's shockingly bad. But a really good idea. There's money to be made. That's great. Uh, You're this sick, woman by got the an, way. <laughs> this woman got an automated message that she, you can hear it saying, your checking account has a balance of $99,999,999,545.90. All the nines. I had to see if I could even say that. And you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> when Henderson heard that mind-boggling number Wednesday, she said she almost had a heart attack. I was in shocked. She can't say that right either. I couldn't even speak. I called it again, Henderson said. $99 billion was withdrawn from a Chase bank account belonging to her mother who passed away last month. Henderson says she listed on the account. She is listed on the account. She was calling to check the balance to pay off some of her mother's funeral expenses. I called my brother to listen to it, and the first thing he said, you have been hiding all this money from me. Why did you do this? Come on, let's go. If you owned $99 billion, you'd instantly be one of the richest people in the entire world. You could buy most countries at that point. Yes. When he said, you're hiding this from me, oh, I'm sorry, I've hidden France, Germany and Italy. My bad. I thought you just saw Liechtenstein and Luxembourg. I thought I could get away with it. I've been buying all these goats. I've got entire fields out here full of fainting goats. I've spent every penny. I've got a record card collection in a warehouse full of roadkill vast sums of money being spent and and i missed it i'm sorry well then she goes to correct him and she says no it says it's a negative amount Mm -hmm. so this whole time she's talking about not knowing how to even spend that much money etc and then she goes on to say it's a negative amount she's in debt 
So Chase Bank told Eyewitness News that they're investigating and they will work with her to fix the issue. Henderson calls it a $99 billion mistake. I think I might stick with Chase. I do like them. People make mistakes, but it's a scary mistake for me, she said. <laughs> I will give you a point. We've been talking about cultural differences. Every single person living in Britain, listening to this broadcast right now, will know instantly when I say to you, what's a 99? If I said to you, go and buy me a 99, would anyone around this table know what a 99 is? No. Nope. The sound of silence. See, cultural learning goes both ways, you see. A 99 is an ice cream cone with a chocolate flake pushed into it. So my grandmother, I felt very special as a kid when you go up to the ice cream van and my grandmother would say, what would you want? I'll get you a 99. And I felt special for having that chocolate flake pushed into that ice cream cone. My parents were very sick. When the ice cream van used to go around, they told me that when the music played, it meant they'd sold out of ice cream. I have a story that says, do we have a soul? Is there life after death? The afterlife is something that's been experienced by countless people since recorded history who have returned to tell their tales with the most noteworthy account experienced firsthand by a Harvard trained brain neurosurgeon of 25 years, Dr. Eben Alexander. This is not just another afterlife account that can be written off as a hallucination. Before his experience, he did not believe the existence of a non-physical spirit. Trained in Western medical schools, he thought that the idea of a soul was outlandish. Like most skeptics, he believed stories of the afterlife to be hallucinations or products of the human imagination. Dr. Alexander changed his mind after he was in a coma for seven days, caused by severe bacterial meningitis. During his coma, he experienced a vivid journey into what he knew to be the afterlife, visiting both heavenly and not-so-heavenly realms. He's lucky he didn't get a record pressed. After returning to his body and experiencing a miraculous healing against all odds, he went on to write the New York Times' number one best-selling book, Proof of Heaven. What Dr. Alexandra confirms is that our life here is just to help our souls evolve and to grow, and that we succeed in doing so is to proceed with love and compassion here are just a few notable points that he's made in his book the experience of the afterlife was so real and expansive that the experience of living as a human on earth seemed like an artificial dream by comparison the fabric of the afterlife was pure love love dominated the afterlife to such a huge degree that the overall presence of evil was infinitesimally small if you wish to know the universe, know love. In the afterlife, all communication was telepathic. There was no need for spoken words, nor even any separation between the self and everything else happening around you. All the questions you asked in your mind were immediately answered to you telepathically as well. We can do this in the here and now. I can communicate with everyone listening to this show telepathically and put words into their mind. My own personal seeing everyone around the world suddenly introduce the word jesus into their mind you see how that works stimulus and response that's called when asked what he wants everyone to know about the spiritual realm he always answers saying that you are precious and infinitely love more than you could possibly imagine you are always safe you are never alone the unconditional and perfect love of god neglects not one single soul 
Yes, but can I still get a cup of tea and a curry? This is what I need to know. We're already aware that baseball exists in the afterlife. As long as I've got curry and a cup of tea and decent chocolate, I will be happy. That brings to the end of the round, the ghosts and hauntings. We move into the round that now is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties. I have a story to start off that says, could NASA be lying to us about a huge UFO orbiting an asteroid near the Earth? NASA has said that this shaped object orbiting an asteroid very near Earth is nothing but a small moon. Moons going around asteroids. Is this common knowledge? Am I the only person who's never heard this before? When did this come up? Where was I when this came out, this information? But UFO enthusiasts have accused the space agency of lying and have insisted the UFO is actually a spaceship. In the video, Tyler explains why he thinks the object spotted on asteroid 2004BL86 when it passed 200,000 kilometers from Earth is not as it seems. He says the object, which is 70 meters in diameter across, does not look like a typical moon. Instead, he insists it has long, metallic cylindrical hull and two other smaller cylinders that are like arms sticking out of the side. I'm laughing because this is one of the inflatable figures you get outside a car dealership. (laughs) This is what's orbiting this asteroid. He said this was not conclusive proof of it being a spaceship, as the pictures were grainy, but he was pretty certain of its alien origin despite the fact that the pictures were grainy. Tyler said if NASA were to find better footage of the UFO that revealed it was indeed a spaceship, the space agency would doctor it so it looked like a moon. Some YouTube users praised his findings, with one saying, Hi Taylor, great job. We all need to remember to keep our critical eye and common sense in the game when dealing with any information from NASA. You are therefore quite right to suspect that this is something other than a moon. I am completely with you on this one. Another wrote awesome footage. Most already know NASA seems to stand for never a straight answer. I always thought it was the National Association of Squirrel Admirers. Have I been wrong all these years? No. No, that's just me. I've been lied to. Who knew? If you wish to see any of these stories on tonight's show, you can visit our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories are there for you and much, much more in glorious Technicolor with all the videos and photographs. Heather, kick off the stories of UFOs and cryptozoology. You need the points. You're on minus I got a time-traveling alien. Time-traveling alien. Yes. Okay. Exciting, right? I, I'm beside myself. He was stealing food from an Arby's. So it's a very skinny, <laughs> green Arby's. Yep. You have the technology to travel millions of miles yep. across galaxies at he light wants speed. wants to go to Arby's. And you're queuing up, lining up at Arby's. Yes. Yes. They have the meats. They do have the meats. We've heard many excuses for bad behavior, but a time-traveling alien from another planet is probably one of the most amusing ones to pop up recently. Police in Oklahoma City say a man accused of jumping over a counter at Arby's to steal food and breaking a glass door on his way out claimed he was visiting from another planet four years in the future. Or Texas, as we call it. (laughs) I don't think they're ahead of us by four years. I'm just saying. (laughs) No, it was the part that he said he was from another planet. I got confused. On that planet, traveling through time to steal food from other worlds is apparently a popular way to dine out. 
The time traveler's journey started on the morning of April 15th when Carl's junior workers said the man walked into the restaurant and started screaming and demanding food. After employees managed to get him out of the restaurant, police say he walked across the street to the Arby's. The Arby's manager told police that the man had jumped on the front counter and demanded food before hopping into the kitchen and grabbing her, forcing her toward the wall. She said the suspect then allegedly grabbed a handful of bacon and chicken and walked walked out of the restaurant, breaking a glass door on his way. He continued his alleged alien rampage outside where witnesses say he kicked and damaged several vehicles while chomping on bacon. I've been to a few <laughs> bars where there's been drunken men that have taken a big handful of bacon and chicken. <laughs> when police arrived on the scene to arrest him, he allegedly told officers that he is four years advanced and that on his planet, everyone is dead. Great. Deport him. <laughs> Why aren't we deporting him? Donald Trump would deport him. I'm telling you right now, which planet you from will send you back. Police said he could have been on something that affected his behavior. Could have. Uh, which could explain his explanation for his alleged crimes. He was possibly under the influence of some sort of narcotic or intoxant or suffering from some type of break with reality. He did mention that he is from four years in the future, and that is how people will get food during that period of time. Well, by stealing. Yes, and going back in time and grabbing bacon and chicken, apparently. Oh, so they've got no food. This was They a... have no pigs or no chicken. <laughs> I like the idea that if we've got no food in the future, but we have a time machine, you could go back to dinosaur times, bring back a brontosaurus with you, and then you could feed everyone for there like a couple go. of months. That'd be great. And then you'd nip back again, and you're thinking, well, I fancy you know, a bit of pterodactyl this time, or maybe a bit of fish. You get a plesiosaur or something like that. Yeah. He's facing charges including robbery, force, or fear. I've never heard of it explained no. that way. Assault and battery and destruction of property and eating bacon and chicken. What's the chances that the dinosaurs died out? Because we don't have any food in the future, yet we have a time machine. So we go back in time and have taken all the dinosaurs to feed people in the future. Too much caffeine. Okay, I put myself on five points. I have a story that says they've long been seen as one of the Earth's most intelligent mammals, but now dolphins are being enlisted to help humans in the hunt for aliens. Strap them in and press the launch key. Experts in the field of these marine mammals, how could you put a dolphin in a spaceship? It's going to have to be wet, isn't it? You're going to have to have an enclosed area of water. I don't know. It's not going to work very well. It's cold in space. What if the water freezes? I don't know. There's more questions than answers. Experts in the field of these marine mammals have been convinced that they can help reveal the secrets of the universe. But now the SETI Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence community has the technology which they believe will prove successful in finding a linguistic link between dolphins and aliens. If aliens land... The only creature that can communicate with them would be a dolphin. Lots of squeaking and clicking going on. The new study is based on the 1961 ponderings of neuroscience John Lilly. It's up-to-date contemporary science then. An eccentric best known for trying to talk to dolphins. How useful would that ever be? You know, you've worked out a language, you can talk to dolphins, and once you get past how's the fish today, what's left? How's the fish The fish is the same as yesterday. You say that, but I had just read a story today about Russia buying eight dolphins. Because they're hungry? No. Oh. 
I think they're using them for some sort of naval tactic. Naval ops. Mm -hmm. There was a case, wasn't there, where they trained dolphins to put mines on ships Mm -hmm. and they would have like magnetic mines attached to their noses and they'd put the mine on the ship. Lily's studies centered on the signs of extraterrestrial life and he and other researchers were based in the Caribbean as they studied three dolphins and their ability to mimic human speech. What started as a fairly harmless exercise eventually ended tragically for the poor dolphins. That paragraph just ends there. It doesn't explain what happened tragically. Tragically how? I just told you I don't know. You're not even (laughs) listening to me. I'm pondering. I think what happened was that they got their own reality show and then they all ended up in rehab, and then they did covert ops for the <laughs> navy. Is where we are. Um, They've been given a a new life, new yeah. names. They're living secret service, secret service dolphins. They're now living. <laughs> That's a cartoon. It is a cartoon. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's based in reality. They could be your neighbours. You don't even know it. That guy Frank, he was ex navy. He doesn't talk about it, but you have the guy with the big nose who's got the hole in the top of his head. <laughs> But now new theories are being applied, which modern technology such as the Cetacean hearing and telemetry device coming into its own. A submersible computer interface that establishes basic communication with dolphins. It's hoped that it can be capitalised on for research by the SETI Institute astronomers, linking dolphin speech with that of extraterrestrials. Lawrence Doyle argued that dolphin language was a guide for alien communication. The 63-year-old has began using statistical tools to look for patterns in animal communication. Well, let's hope then when the aliens arrive that they make clicking noises and like jumping through hoops. Yes. The interesting thing is that if anyone has ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, this is exactly what he describes. He says the entire world is actually being run by dolphins. And all that business with hoops and balls is just so they can actually observe us. And they are from another planet. So as surreal as that story is, Douglas Adams has actually written about that in the 1970s in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Isn't it so true in life that the most surreal and bizarre things are actually true? Yes. It's amazing. That's unbelievable. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? A giant stone sphere found in Bosnian forest. The huge sphere, which measures around five foot across, is thought to be evidence of an ancient civilization. Discovered near the Bosnian town of Zavida. Vici, wow. the peculiar <laughs> object has caught the attention of archaeologist Samur Asmanagic. I think you're getting away with it. <laughs> the main thing is, Kim, if we don't highlight it, I think we'll, we'll, no one would notice. Whose previous efforts to uncover pyramids in Bosnia's Visaka Valley back in 2005 have earned him something of a reputation as a real-life Indiana Jones. The newly unearthed sphere, far from being a unique specimen, is actually believed to be one of a large collection of similar artifacts found scattered throughout the region over the centuries. Lots of balls, then, is what you're suggesting. Yes, big ones. Fabulous. (laughs) Sadly, though, most of the others ended up being destroyed by amateur treasure hunters in the 1970s due to a rumor suggesting that there was a cache of gold hidden inside them. Geocache. There you go. That's it, yeah. Osmanagic maintains that the spheres are what's left of an ancient civilization that existed over 1,500 years ago. However, there remains some doubt over whether they are even man-made. Mandy Edwards of the University of Manchester School of Earth, Atmospheric and Environmental Sciences, for instance, believes that the spheres are a naturally occurring phenomenon caused by the precipitation of natural mineral cement within the spaces between sediment grains. 
Further analysis will likely be needed, however, before it will be possible to know for sure. Fantastic. If anyone's thinking and wondering why there's strange rumbling in the background, that's actually Greg's stomach. <laughs> there's, there's an amazing thunder and lightning storm taking place at the moment so if you're hearing rumbles in the background of our studio we're on the verge of being electrocuted at any moment live on air that would be something wouldn't it shocking you first continue the rest of the show in spirit is where we are but if you hear strange rumblings that is the thunder that's rolling past our studios here in minnesota we run into the round that is the strange and the bizarre the stories from around the world that are too strange and too bizarre but don't fit into any other category heather you're currently on minus two and desperately need the points what have you got for me tonight in the round of strange and bizarre toilets toilets and six foot snakes six foot snakes and toilets yes is this like a second film of like snakes on a plane but it's now snakes in a toilet short needle Sharknado. Yeah. Snakes in a toilet. Yeah. All the stories you read out, I can't go to the toilet anymore. I know. There was a time (laughs) when I would go to the toilet with gay abandon. I would just sit there. My bowels would empty. There'd be a nice, soft, spongy stall. Everything would be fine. Now I'm clenching. I have to look. I've got the light on. Listen. I can't relax. No, nope. I'm You're all tensed pent up. up. I'm tensed. My yeah. low intestinal tract won't let anything out. It's terrible. I have to get a shoe on and poke it out. It's a terrible to do. <laughs> this is because you're reading stories out constantly. Oh, I'm sorry. I know it's just me. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Blue Cross volunteer Peter Edge was shocked to discover the enormous serpent in a shop bathrooms. When the 30-year-old first set eyes upon the six-foot orange snake in the toilet bowl in the back of the Blue Cross charity shop... He said, I don't remember eating that. Uh, he initially believed that someone was pulling a prank on him. Hang on a second. How does one get six foot of snake into a toilet bowl? Don't you do that every morning? No. <laughs> you just I go. I go once a month, whether I need it or not. And when I go in there, I take the week's viewing in with me with a highlighter pen so I know what I'm going to be watching on TV for the next month. When the creature started moving, he realized that the enormous reptile was actually the real deal. When I saw it was moving, I was in shock more than anything else, he said. It's not every day you see something like that. Well, it's not any day. It shouldn't be no, any I've day. I've never known that. It's, I've never, in all my life of defecating, I've never found an orange six foot snake. No, no. I thought. And I've it... defecated, I would suggest to you, and I haven't got all the information in front of me, and I don't have this backed up with facts. But let's just say, for example, there's one a day. I've never in my entire life doing one a day ever seen a six foot orange snake. I just thought I'd share that with I'm you. I'm putting a GoPro in, in your bathroom. Yes, we're gonna and then we're gonna it. and then we're gonna we're gonna hide something in the toilet. Pan cam. It's gonna be pan cam. We're gonna hide a pancake we have in an your toilet. Available for you. Pan oh cam. yes, an octopus. Do- it's an octopus now. Is it pancam yes. I bet there's already a website out there called pancam.com. I probably is. I wouldn't look there. Don't yeah, look don't, that up. Don't. No, we'll be taken off here. With the help of the store's assistant manager, he was eventually able to free the snake's tail from the back of the toilet cistern. But when they tried to capture it in a basket, it managed to break free and promptly disappeared down the U-bend. This wasn't so it's back in the system again. This is not an animal that you've dated and then tried to flush it afterwards. Oh it? yeah, no. <laughs> I, d- I don't recall. Where did you say this was, or didn't you? In the uh, toilet, Kim. It's it in the toilet. Doesn't say. It okay. doesn't say for the sure. The thing is that if it's gone back down, at some point 
somewhere in that block that's got to raise its that's head. That's why again, I was asking yeah. where this, this was. <laughs> would this be in England? Because it says the RSPCA, the yes. Royal Society for uh, the Prevention of Cruelty Britain. to Animals, <laughs> was called in, but despite a thorough search of the building and surrounding area, there was no sign of the snake because it is now flushed down the toilet. Someone's going to get a surprise, aren't they? The interesting thing is that we only have two snakes in Britain, and one's actually a worm, and the other one's like a grass snake. I mean, we don't, that's come out of someone's tank. Oh, there yeah. is no way on God's earth that in Britain you would have a six foot orange snake unless it had come in illegally. Well, there unless you it's go. hidden in the back of a truck or a semi and come over illegally yep. without paperwork, taking our jobs and taking our women, and now ending up in toilets. This is yeah. a shocking to do. Well, there you go. There's a snake in a toilet in England. I'm going to hover. Somewhere. I hover now. You should see the muscles in my thighs. I'm like a cyclist on the Tour de France I am. I'm hovering. I've got thighs like tree trunks. Honest mm. to God, from hovering. All I do now is hover. I don't let my bottom touch the porcelain anymore for fear of animals now coming up. On the back of all these stories. You're high on pot, huh? Not necessarily. <laughs> I have a story that says, if you never in your lifetime imagined that you'd see a man in a bow tie and a tailcoat playing Rachmaninoff on a badger. Well, now you have. This talented musician is playing a badgermin. That is a badger transformed into a theremin. The theremin invented by a Russian physicist in 1920 is an electronic instrument that enables the creation of sound without physical contact. The most probably famous song that involves a theremin is the beginning of the Beach Boys song, Good Vibrations. That's a theremin. You're looking at me as if I'm mental. No, I'm trying to think if that can actually be used in ghost hunting. That's a very good idea. Yes, because if something comes within that field, it makes a sound. Uh We should put this to the test. All we need is a theremin and a badger. (laughs) Two antennae coming out of the neck and the tail of the badger allow the musician to control the frequency and amplitude of the sound through hand movements, with the electrical signals then amplified with a loudspeaker. Dead mammals have never been so mesmerizing. That's not true. We can press them into records, apparently. I know. Does this badger sound a little bit flat to you, Greg? (laughs) (laughs) Things that have never been said on the radio. I'm going to have an entire catchphrase now of things that have never been said on the radio. Greg, is this badger sounding flat to you? How does one play a squirrel? Where do the fingers go? Do you see what I mean? Where are the holes? Don't know. Where would you blow? How do you tune a squirrel? When you're at school... You can tune a fish. When you're at school, (laughs) do you know you get given like small instruments to play at school? Like you get given a recorder and you work your way up to a saxophone and an oboe. Could you start off with like the smaller ones, like a chipmunk, vole, chipmunk, you know, and then you get to like sixth grade and then you get, you know, given the chance to to play on a squirrel. And by the time you leave school and you graduate, you're fluent on the badger. I'm sorry. It's a giraffe. <laughs> what kind of roadkill are you seeing? You're on safari, are you? <sighs> fabulous, fabulous times. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Toilets. Of course you have. <laughs> I can't go anymore. It's poked its head back up. A rat comes out of a toilet and bites a oh. man on the behind. <laughs> Well, I guess that could be worse. Did he try playing it before he killed it? <laughs> Can you imagine having the rat section in an orchestra where the conductor's pointing to them and there's people playing a rat? <laughs> an elderly gentleman using the facilities at his home in Ireland suffered a rather unfortunate injury. 
Recent flooding and a broken sewer pipe are believed to have been responsible for an unexpected visit from an inquisitive rodent for one unfortunate pensioner in Ireland's county Cork recently. Can you imagine going to the doctors saying, I've been bitten on the arse? And he did. Yes, he did go yeah. to the doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the incident, which saw the man receive a painful bite on the behind, is just the latest in a string of problems caused by the floods and has prompted this local council to consider flushing rat poison through the sewerage system in an effort to prevent any more unintended visits. You know, in London, you have to keep the toilet seat down to stop the rats from coming up. Is that's that what true? it's designed for. Yeah, that's why there's a lid. Yeah. Yeah, that's the part st- of what they're telling them yeah. to do here. This is the God's honest truth. Oh, God. They say you're never more than 22 feet away from a rat anywhere. So I'm now looking around the room. We've got, a, we've got at least 22 foot until we get to the stairs, I'm guessing. Greg's well, a good six feet away there. <laughs> Nothing's bitten me on the arse yet tonight, but there's still hopes. There's still plenty of time. <laughs> there is. We've still got six minutes. The flooding resulted in another problem for residents, that of rat infestation, which really upset many families, both mentally and physically. Indeed, one elderly gentleman suffered a rat bite to his posterior while using his toilet and had to receive immediate medical attention. I think I would, too. Uh, I mean, to be fair, there are worse places it could be biting if you're sat on the toilet and you're a gentleman and a rat comes up. The family jewels. Yes, Mm -hmm. there could be little nibbles, and uh, that would be more embarrassing to go to the doctors and try and get that swelling taken care of. Uh, Local residents are being advised, keep your toilet seat lids down when they are not in use. And tuck yourself in. Make Mm -hmm. sure it's all safe and tucked out of the way. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? Ontario police break up a domestic dispute. Mm. Oh, you're bringing us down into sadness. He got hit with a badger. No, it was between a man and a pet parrot. A pet parrot. <laughs> yeah. An Ontario man ran afoul of provincial police this week after spending a night at home with his pet parrot. Police in Brighton between Toronto and Kingston said they were originally called to a home at 8 p.m. on Tuesday after neighbors heard what they believed to be a domestic dispute. Northumberland OPP Constable Steve Bates said the neighbors knew the home was usually occupied by a couple but police found only one person when they arrived. They heard him yelling and saying, I hope you die, and so on and so forth. What Bates could a said, parrot possibly do wrong? <laughs> so, I mean, it's not as if like you come home from work and it hasn't got your dinner ready on the table, is it? I know I should have not married you. Your mother told me about people like you. What they said is, so we attended and we located the male of the household alone in the house screaming at his pet parrot, who apparently was Speaking off giving at him off. In, his, in his words. The man had been drinking. Yep, Bates said and added the parrot did not appear to be hurt in any way. Police did not lay any charges. Get it? Mm-hmm. Lay. You've had a cock or two, haven't you? <laughs> ah! God, that was in the shin! Bates described the call as a very interesting one for the attending officers, adding such incidents sometimes create a welcome diversion. Hmm. I believe there was also a parrot story in the news this last week or so where the parrot 
caught a ta- uh, was able to speak well enough to catch a taxi to get a ride home. Somehow it ended up not at home. <laughs> he come to a bar, <laughs> and had it- a date, gone out, got drunk. Where's my parrot gone? Can you imagine the parrot comes up the path? What time do you call this? You treat the place like a hotel. How long does it take to make a phone call? You're in and out, you're in and out. This is like a dust house for you, isn't it? I'm sat here worrying about you. You've been out with your feathered friends all night drinking. You've not given a single thought to me, have you? How long does it take to make a phone call? And relax. Heather, (laughs) you can finish tonight off. You need another story here. You're on zero. Here's your chance to get into positive integers in the round of the strange. This should definitely do it. And the bizarre. Are you ready? I absolutely. Officers announce. I'm going to bring it down. Again, oh, sorry. Oh, you always do this. We were right at the fun. end of this. I know there was fun and jivality, and now you're going to goats and snakes and. But it was, it's been a very animal themed evening. Is. Strangely, <laughs> enough. we were even pressing badges into musical albums earlier and having roadkill themes. <laughs> That's right. I waited for Pink Floyd to do a conceptual album based just purely on roadkill. This is the animal episode <laughs> if got, there ever got, was I've one. I've got the gatefold version. It's actually worth more money. <laughs> God, it's a white label version. Of it. Officers announce Omaha Police Headquarters squirrel's death. Oh, oh poor, poor little bugger. When's mommy coming home? Omaha Police have announced the death of a squirrel that hung out around the police headquarters and had its own Twitter following. Police say the squirrel, which went by at OPD Squirrel on the social media site, was found dead in the police headquarters parking lot. <laughs> don't, don't oh, laugh Omaha. it up. What happened to the good old-fashioned days when police used to catch he criminals? He could be a record now. He could be a record now. Just mm-hmm. think about that. So his life wasn't in vain. He could now be some hisses and pops on a piece of vinyl. That's right. What everyone wants when a, they die. A post by Omaha officer Michael Bossman on Tuesday announced the death accompanied by a picture of a dead squirrel outlined with chalk. I tell you what, <laughs> Mr. PC Michael, what's his name? <laughs> that that one is Michael Bossman. Can you actually do some work? Is it possible you oh, could catch no, some criminals? He might be I don't care. We might He's travel using through police. Omaha. <laughs> Taxpayers are paying him to catch criminals and draw chalk outlines around. And he's squirrels. out in the yard drawing chalk lines around criminals and setting up Facebook sites. No, not criminals, squirrels. Squirrels. It's not even a criminal squirrel. <laughs> Just a squirrel. If it was a felony, if it was a squirrel that committed a crime, yeah, I can understand like stealing it. nuts or it's something. It's not even done that. The squirrel's Twitter account, however, remains active. The rodent's nearly 350 followers have been treated to follow-up tweets from friends and family, including one from Mrs. OPD Squirrel, who thanked everyone for their kind words and said he will be sorely missed by our 35 children and I. (laughs) Police suggest donations to First Responders Foundation of Omaha in lieu of flowers, if you would like to send them for the squirrel we now move into our final round of the evening that's called not for your mother it also means that you've now found us in our archives and online so thank you for searching for us and being tech savvy if your mother is in the room and she is easily offended this is the time she needs to be removed i have a story that says a florida man was arrested after an argument with his ex-wife about a sex toy suddenly escalated according to the manatee county sheriff's office in florida yay tristan horn 36 yes this is mr horn was arrested sunday on domestic battery charges battery charges 
I get it. Maybe. For a sex toy offence. This is true, I tell you. Deputy said Horn was spending the night with a woman to whom he was once married when the two got into an argument in the bedroom. According to an arrest report, the woman was using the bathroom when Horn barged in, accusing her of cheating on him with a sex toy. To be fair, it was strapped to the offensive end of the Miami Dolphins at the time. <laughs> Deputy said Horn grabbed the woman's arm and twisted it before returning to the bedroom, grabbing the sex toy and snapping it in half. Which wow, le- that must have been a hard toy. Well, it left him with two eight-inch pieces. <laughs> the woman and her 16-year-old daughter pushed Horn out of the home, but he later returned and took the woman's cell phone while they were asleep. Horn later admitted that he took her phone because he's broke. The woman claimed that she invited Horn to spend the night because he was going to take her to work. Grab your coat, sweetheart. I'm going to take you to work. That's the new excuse. Huh? In Florida. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Suit alleges man was fired from Trader Joe's after complaining about penis-shaped gift. This Why is... complain? <laughs> it could be worse. It could be penis-shaped pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Los Angeles. Trader Joe's is being sued by a former employee who alleges he was fired after complaining about being given a gift resembling male genitalia during the company's Christmas party in 2014. (laughs) Two years this has taken to come to fruition. Yes. This is the legal system. Millions and millions of dollars have been spent on this. The lawsuit filed Tuesday in state court alleges Paul Roberts, 49, was shocked, embarrassed, and humiliated after receiving a gift from a co-worker he had known for several years. I'm surprised this is standing up in court, to be honest. (laughs) Roberts opened the gift described in court papers as a small penis, which, when submerged in water, would increase in size. He opened in front of the other employees, as well as the Trader Joe's supervisor. Don't throw that down the toilet. It'll block it. That's shocking. It was accompanied by a note he perceived to be derogatory. Distraught, the suit says Roberts left the party abruptly and was totally humiliated and embarrassed. What happened to the days when you could have like a joke and a laugh with your workmates? What happened to those days? They're gone. Gone. In the same days, that goes back to the days when police used to do police work instead of Twittering all day long and on Facebook. I would have laughed my butt off. Well, we know what to get you for Christmas then, don't you? Ah! Oh, that... Sometimes the ones that just catch you are the worst. That's going to leave a mark. Not so much here or here, but kind of more here. Yeah, I can even it out on the other side. (laughs) Two days later, Roberts made his first complaint approaching his supervisor and others to explain his discomfort, the complaint states. He also advised them he planned to file a formal complaint, pointing out that if he had given a similar gift to a female co-worker, that he would have likely been reprimanded and likely terminated. The next day, the suit claims Roberts approached another supervisor who told him he would take care of it. That's a bit harsh, isn't it, being terminated for giving someone a gift? Would they this take goes, outside and shoot you? Uh, this goes on a while where he, um, I'm going to summarize a little bit because it is a long story. He's talked to his supervisor several, several times and being told that it's going to be taken care of, and it doesn't. And then all of a sudden he gets fired. Rhetoric so, and platitudes. Wow. So the suit itself is, it's, it's unusual in the fact that it's a man. Yeah. It does happen. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's asked for help quite a few times, and then he got fired. Well, the question on everybody's lips is, where do you get one of these from? I'd like to see this happening. I, we could sit here with a glass of water. During the in, show. See it develop, evolve. We could keep listeners. See a, how long it takes. Abridged a couple of minutes, Kim, with a cigarette break. 
and uh, <laughs> just see where that goes. I've got a story that says authorities say a naked man was arrested after breaking into a North Georgia home through a pet door. Is this a cat burglar? Oh. You, you'd be disappointed if I never said it. Mm. Cherokee County Deputy Joshua Watkins tells local news media that 28-year-old Gerard Lemming on Wednesday entered the home nude to shower, wash his laundry in to use the owner's Wi-Fi. The incident reports says Lemming was spotted climbing a neighbor's fence and squeezing through the dog door at the back of the house. It's a big dog. Apparently, Watkins says Lemming was still inside the home when deputies arrived. Deputies say Lemming claimed to have once lived in the home, but moved out about a year ago. It makes you wonder how many times he's got away with that and never been caught. <laughs> if he's just got caught this time. And he's not been there a year. Does this mean he's had a shower once a week for the last year and done his laundry without anyone knowing? I don't know. Watkins says Lemmings told police that he knew the homeowner, but didn't notify him because he did not want to bother him. Lemming was charged with burglary. Why naked? Why climb over Why the burglary? Fence? Burglary for breaking and entering. But he didn't steal nothing. Mm, do you need to? He stole the he soap. He stole the, the water. The water, and, the soap. Yeah. <laughs> he I'm stole just... the soap. Just take it, man. Just take it. I don't understand. If you break into someone's house to have a shower... Isn't it normal common practice and convention, especially in the Western world, that you would take your clothes off in the vicinity of the shower, normally within the room it's in, i.e. the bathroom? Why are you climbing over fences and squeezing through a dog mm. door? Especially naked, when he's naked. doing his laundry there anyway. He could just take them off and do it with the rest of his laundry. Mm. I don't think when I'm walking from the grocery store to home and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I need a shower. Do I start taking my clothes off two blocks before I get to my house? No, you only do it the block before. What happens? <laughs> it's like Hansel and Gretel. I can find my way home by all the trail of clothing I leave behind me. You're Heather, terrible. wind up the show in the round of Not For Your Mother. Lonely. I'm so lonely. I'm Guess what? I'm surprised with the jokes you're cracking. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be lonely anymore. You know why? Because you're <laughs> hanging out at Dairy Queen. Oh, boy. <laughs> the old ones are the best. <laughs> well, two women have tried to have sex with a ghost. And here's how it went and mm. how to do it. See? No longer lonely. It I was... can just summon up a ghost. And... See, you've reached the point in, frisky. You, you've reached the point in your life. Having abridged the age of 40, where you're Thanks. now looking <laughs> to date dead people. Yes. Dead men can't say no, can they? Yes. There we go. Cheap date. What do you do when you're a single lady and there's not a single good option for dating for you? You break one in half and share it. Why not try seducing a ghost? And two BuzzFeed staff writers did just that and shared their entire weird experience with everyone on the internet. So even when I'm dead, I could have the pleasure of somebody nagging me and telling me you're not going to wear that, are you? Yes. Even in the afterlife, I'm yes. going to get physically live women telling me how awful the dates go. I don't want to hear about you and that, especially when you tell stories about how you flirt with the dead. This is true. See? If someone points out to me that it's illegal to flirt with women <laughs> in this state that died in 1933, I will stop. But until that point, I'm going to keep going. Katie and Ariana, the two ladies wanting to get some ghost booty, sought out help from psychic medium Patty Negri, who provided them with guidelines with the best way to seduce a ghost. And so I'm going to guidelines. Mm-hmm. There is guidelines. Nice sheet. Where did you get it? So number one, 
know that it is real. Take it seriously. Be as goofy as you want. Have tons of fun. And plug in the EM pump. But know that you really are inviting a real spirit from beyond in and that you are opening a real portal. Yeah, I said it. Into other realms. <laughs> you could get an immaculate contraption. Number two, know your belief system. Who are you going to call if you get scared? God, your angels, your guides, your higher self, your cat. What if you get Doesn't pregnant? Matter. If you get pregnant, you could be in a hospital and there's a little incubator with a handkerchief in it. Look, that one's mine. Little You're ba- thinking about this way little, too little much. baby ghost would be a little handkerchief. Baby ghost. You could go into a maternity wing and there'd be little handkerchiefs in every little crib. Oh, or those baby that's ghosts. sweet. Yeah. There'd be a black handkerchief, a white handkerchief. Oh, stop. <laughs> there'd be some poor woman where it's got two handkerchiefs. Oh. Number three, don't get scared. Fear will do two negative things. First, Fear will prevent it from actually happening altogether. And you don't want that because you want that. You should be telling this to your sister. And (laughs) number two, (laughs) fear will bring the wrong kind of energy, a darker energy that will feed on your fear. You should tell this to your sister. (laughs) Number four, know that this is our realm of existence. They have to play by our rules. They have power over you only if you give it to them. So you're in control if you're alive. That's just how it works. You should tell this to your sister. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I'm not getting any Christmas presents this year. No change there then. (laughs) Number five, have fun with it. Let go of any preconceptions. 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 (laughs) Yeah. What about preconceived? Yeah. No, preconceptions. Of being evil or bad. Keep it good, healthy, and fun. You should tell your sister. Oh, (laughs) You're having way too much fun with this. I'm beside myself. There are also certain steps that the ladies needed to follow in order to properly seduce the ghost. We assume that men play by, you know, play some Barry White and pull out the silk sheets and... The Grateful so we, we I was thinking the great off. the Grateful Dead would be the way to go. Oh god <laughs> I'm on fire You're on something. Uh we won't list them all, but it was basically making sure you invite them to a clean personal space, light some candles, play sensual music, and be in a good frame of mind. Ghosts don't like hate sex, apparently. They don't like gay sex. No. Hate. They don't, like, hate sex, apparently. What about if you lit some candles, had a nice romantic meal, Mm -hmm. then cleared the table and just practiced the physical arts and then get banned from that restaurant for the rest of your life? Wow. So that's how you seduce I had a romantic meal once, candles, roses. Tasted bloody awful, but there was plenty of roughage. Oh. Well, all good (laughs) things come to an end. So let's look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter with the dead battery, it is Greg, who scored one. Heather has got two. Kim has got five. 
<laughs> There's no cheating taking place here on any level. And in resplendent first place with the $33,000 IR camera is myself with a nice big fat six. Again? Do not fear. No, I actually got five and one last week. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of ruminant and mammal stories at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing and badger-themed musical instruments. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee or you can add me to your twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips also remember that if you go to our archives and type in soundcloud.com and search for mqta radio all of our shows of the last three years are there for you to listen to and we're now going to do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show in a round called not for your mother that can't go out live on air my gratitude and grace thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris Tom drainer kim and greg gore and all of the international paranormal society at paranormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting good night